in the town of David. It shouldn't be much further. We need to keep following the star. It appears to have stopped over in that direction. Come this way. It'd be very quiet. Mary's very tired. The chili's been cooking all day. Did you bring the spices? I bring red pepper flakes, cayenne pepper, and cumin. We come bearing the gift of unleavened cornbread. Yes. Oh, yes. So, so did you put beans in it this time? I did. Okay. That's it. Well, we're gonna have to. We'll send you out. Miles. Oh, okay. You can. You can leave. Anybody have tums? What an awesome video put together by a video team to prepare us for the Christmas services. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Aaron Jones. I'm the worship arts director here at Clinton Township, and it's my pleasure to be here with you today. I just want to welcome you all. If this is your first time coming to Clinton Township, we're glad to have you. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of our upcoming events. Um, as you saw here, our Christmas services are coming up. Um, and just like every year, I have yet to begun my Christmas shopping. Um, and Christmas is only 15 days away, as you may or may not know. Um, and I just want to let you know that we have 51 services across all of our campus this Christmas. Yeah, that's something to celebrate. Nine of those services will be here at Clinton Township, and those will begin Friday, December 22nd. 
Um, just like we saw in the video, we'll be diving in and exploring the theme of what Christmas would be like if Jesus had never been born. During our planning process, um, we talked a lot about the teachings of Jesus and how much they influence our lives today. A couple of the teachings that we brought up are teachings on forgiveness or teachings of even loving one another. And we just realized that if Jesus had never been born, those wouldn't be a way of life that we have. Um, so I just want to invite you all to come out and just explore with us that topic and that theme. Um, we have a lot of great elements prepared for you, a great message, and we would love to see each and every one of you here. Um, I want to challenge you not just to bring yourself, but to bring someone with you, whether it be a family member or a friend. Um, the great way to secure a spot here for our Christmas services is to get Christmas tickets. Now, our Christmas tickets are absolutely free, um, but it's our way to make sure that we have room for you. You can go on our website, the Kensington website, um, and you'll see a link on the main page where you can click on it and reserve as many tickets as you need. Um, the auditorium can only hold so many people, and we would hate to turn anyone away. Now, with Christmas coming up, we also have um, New Year's coming as well. Um, and so if you walked in today, you should have received a booklet. Did everybody receive a booklet, a booklet like this? If you didn't receive a booklet, you can raise your hand and an usher can get you one of these. But these booklets essentially are what we believe to be the very essence of what our church is all about. Um, if you get a chance today, I encourage you to flip through it. It has a lot of stories, some of the stories you've heard in the past weeks um, through video, some of the stories that we shared about our, our year in giving. Um, and we just want to uh, just have you just take a look at this and really browse through it. Each ministry here at Clinton Township and at our other campuses across the globe revolve around reaching the one whether that one be the one who feels so far away from God, but we believe in reaching that one and truly seeing their lives change. So as we approach year's end, I just want to invite you or even challenge you um, to consider giving a year in gift um, to Kensington. Giving allows us to reach lives uh, for those that are in desperate need of hope. Um, so as we continue on, there's one more thing um, that I just want to share with you, and that's our uh, Alpha course that's coming up. Now, Alpha is a perfect opportunity uh, for a new believer, a seasoned believer, or anyone who just has questions and is curious about um, Christianity. And we've prepared a trailer to tell you a little bit more about it. Take a look. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. So if you or anyone you know is interested in taking the Alpha class, we're actually hosting Alpha here at Kensington. Um, that'll begin January 24th. If you want more information about that, you can go on our website or go out to the Info Center. Um, one last thing that I just want to tell you is that for today's services, we are rating at PG-10. Um, it's not uh, anything drastic, but just based on the content of the things that we'll be talking about in 
reference to South Sudan. Uh, we just wanted to rate it PG-10. So parents, if you need a moment uh, to take your kids out, you can do that as well. Uh, so Kensington, I just want to invite you to stand up, say hello to someone, and crunch in the center to make room for our guests that are still coming in. This Christmas season, let's make a difference. Let's be the reason someone feels wanted. Join one another, wake from the slumber. Let's make a thunder heard throughout the street. Christmas season, I want to believe it, more than just a holiday that fades so fast into yesterday. We can be the change, this Christmas season, all together That was written by Brandon Huskin, original piece. That was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and thank you, guys. Uh, first of all, good morning. I uh, wanted to say good morning as well. My name is Chris Zarbon, the lead pastor here at, at Kensington Clinton Township. I just want to respond to that song real quick. It, it, the idea behind the song is being the change this Christmas season. I would like to just reference the bridge where it says, It's time we mean it. 
Let's make it happen. It's time for action and help the helpless. We can be the change this Christmas season. And that's uh, what we're really diving into today is how can one life and one person make a difference? Uh, you've arrived for part number two of a three-part series we're in called The, uh, the Heart of Christmas. And the idea behind the series is that uh, the three words used, and especially in a bib- biblical narrative at Christmas time, more than any other words are love, joy, and peace. Right? For God so loved the world that he, that he came, and uh, peace on earth, or you know, um, joy to the world. And last week, we looked at joy, uh, partnering with both our local and global partners. Last week, our, our local partner was Seminole Academy. We had uh, Kaleo Kids. We had a kids performance. We talked about joy and where to have it, where to find it. If you missed that, I encourage you to go online. It was a wonderful time together. Uh, today, we're talking about peace. Now, let me give you just a real quick setup of this next video that you're about to see. Um, uh, If you've been around Kensington for a while, you know about a month and a half ago, I went to South Sudan, which is the newest country in the world. And it's uh, filled with incredible conflict and, uh, uh, you know, turmoil. And and, and you'll you'll see this in just a minute. But there's no government and there's no you can you can just kill somebody with no, you know, consequence. And and it's it's a pretty dangerous place. And so there's no uh, it seems like there should be no way to find peace in a place like that. Well, the heart behind these videos is that we flew to our global partners and normally when we fly to them, and by the way, global partners means uh, we find a person who's doing an incredible work overseas and we partner with them and join them in their great work. So uh, South Sudan is one of our partners. So when we fly over there, normally when we shoot a video, we do it uh, in such a way to where we kind of show you the need. And usually when you see a video, you say, hey man, this is how we could respond to this need. Uh, but that is not the vision behind this series. This series, we thought, what, what would it look like if we flew and shot a video where they taught us about peace in this case? So what, what can we learn from somebody who experiences the peace of Christ in, in the midst of a country that's radically different than ours? in a place where it's difficult to find peace. Like, what can they teach us? And so I hope that you're going to enjoy this as much as I did being there. Uh, The first part of this video, you're going to see Steve Andrews, our founding pastor. He's going to give a message just connecting the dots between like a financial year-end gift and and, and making things like this possible. And then we're going to launch right into our story of a friend that I just met this past month called, his name is Nicodemus. And wait until you see his story. Has there ever been a time in history where we are more immediately inundated with news that tends to bring us to despair or to give up hope? Do you realize that when you invest in a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington, that the opposite is true? That you're actually seeing hope and joy and love and peace come to the world? We're seeing that in so many countries in the world, explosive church planting movements. And probably none is more amazing or more miraculous than what is happening in the new country of South Sudan. Ruben Mariakal, our partner, and his friends in South Sudan are putting their life on the line each day. They literally don't know from day to day if they're going to live or die. But in the midst of this, overwhelming peace is coming to the world. And so today, as you watch this amazing story of this unlikely hero, a man named Nicodemus, realize that you and I get to be a part of something that is so unlikely and so amazing. When you give, we get to be a part of what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. country, peace is rare. People are so used to fighting that many have given up hope that things can change. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers, 
and sometimes those that bring peace are the ones that no one expects. Sudan, the newest country in the world, and it's located in East Central Africa. And this whole region has been in conflict and ravaged by war in the past 60 years. And actually, it's not getting better. It's getting a whole lot worse. In fact, the compound that we're staying in just a few weeks ago had a bunch of rebels that had come through with guns and threatening violence, and everyone there just did not know what was going to happen. Fueled by racism, political strife, religious persecution, the price of the conflict has been very high. There's actual active landmines just a few feet away from where children are playing. Everyone here lives in a state of uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow will hold. They all live in fear and long for peace. When you see a man having uh, marks on the head or on the shoulder, that one uh, means the number of the people that a person has killed during the war. And then when you see the women, you see some women are having marks, that one also shows the husband of the woman has killed many men. They share that glory in the, in, in the name of husband. So she acts like the husband is a hero. My testimony is about my sister's son. The child grew at my home for more than 10 years. When he was making the 12th year, the child was taken back to the village. He was transferred to the cattle camp. When he reached the cattle camp, they went to the field where the cows are grazing. Then another tribe, that used to attack the Toposa tribe called Boya came and raided the cows. And then on the process of raiding, the child was caught by a group of more than 10 men. They used a knife, then they slaughtered the boy. The people took me there using a motorbike to the place where the child was killed. So I went and I saw the body of the child lying on the ground. One hand was cut, then the other hand also was cut. The leg was cut, the head is far away from the body. I was not happy, I became very hungry. So I buried the boy and then I came back to the village. So I wanted to take one gun to follow the men where they have gone. My aim was to go and clear them all. As you see this mark on my face, these three men have killed three people and I, I was used to it. What was in my body, in my heart, was only to have a revenge. I was only aiming for a revenge. Then one gun which was left in the village was hidden somewhere because they knew that I loved the boy. And my aim was if I am to get a gun, I was going to clear even 50 men in that place. So I grew very annoyed in which I was even almost hung myself when the people went and hide the gun. The only way was to go and hang myself, but the people went and advised me tormented by the death of his nephew and unable to find his gun, Nicodemus reached a level of despair that led him into considering taking his own life. It was while searching for a weapon in a nearby village that he ran into Reuben Mariacal, who would eventually become his mentor and spiritual advisor. 
the life that Nicodemus had before getting Christ is his aim was to be the, the hero of the village and being a hero is to raid as many tribes uh, the surrounding tribes as possible is to kill as many people as possible but once he encountered Christ there was a radical change in his heart other people went and advised me until they brought me back to Kopueta here whereby I met with Pastor Ruben and then with other believers they had to advise me and say that is not the way try to have peace in your heart so I went and I stayed for more than 20 days until I forgive those people Christ replaced this problem in me I had to have peace again as I am now I'm going always to the church I am also advising others who have the same grievances like the way I used to have. So I see Nicodemus and he no longer views the other tribes as enemies. He views them as objects of the grace of Christ and they're candidates of heaven. And that's why he has now the desire to, to reach out to the other villages as his friends. Since his encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus has been radically transformed. Under Reuben's guidance, he now plants churches in the very fields where the Taposa, Dinga, and other neighboring tribes have violently clashed for centuries. Armed with nothing more than the gospel and a motorcycle, he brings peace to a region that many believed impossible to reach. So we have two communities in our location here. So we have uh, the Dinga community and then the Taposa community. These two communities are very hostile to each other. So when we planted a church here, the Toposa and the Dedinga were able to meet together. So what they did, they helped reconcile. Those who accepted Christ, they were able to meet together and then they worshiped together, they became one. But in other areas whereby the church is not planted, the war still continues. Many blood is being shedded every time, but we saw really a church can bring peace in a community. The mission of our ministry is letting the light occupy the land. And we see darkness manifesting itself in different forms. The greatest is spiritual darkness. Uh, there is intellectual darkness. There is darkness of hatred and uh, violence. There is socio-economic darkness. And we see as we are in this land, our ministry is to become hands and feet of Jesus and shine the light and let the light occupy the land. I see Nicodemus maybe finding his fellow warriors in the other village as friends. Even his friends who are raiders, they were 10 in number. His gang of 10 men and six of them he has evangelized and they have come to Christ. When all these guys who are warriors come, they, they, they are not warriors for Christ. They are not taking the spears but they, and guns. They are taking the gospel to the, to the next tribes. I see this hope and I can see changes will be here in years to come. Jesus mean everything to me. In the first place, I was lost. Um, I was a sinner. I was a killer. I was robbing. I used to do many things which are not right. But when Christ came into my heart, I have now hope of being with the Lord. I think when Christ is taken out of the equation, there's no hope in this country. I mean, governments can come with policies, but
but that cannot transform the hearts of people. It takes only the power of Christ to transform the hearts of people. If it's just empty philanthropy, helping people and doing that, there could never be hope. But when we are preaching Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, I'm sure ultimately the Prince of Peace will be able to bring peace to this country, so there is hope. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, I got to tell you something. Reuben and Nicodemus are true warriors of the faith. I, I don't think that I've ever personally known or encountered anyone that I looked to and viewed them the way that I view these guys. I mean, uh, Nicod- it's so bad that, uh, that Reuben stays in Capueta, but his family, his wife, has to stay in Nairobi because of the conflict. So he is months, he's away from his family for months at a time just because he feels God has called him to the people of South Sudan. So he's away from his wife and his kids. People like Nicodemus, who it's just, it's an unbelievable thing to see how God transformed him. And when he walked into those villages and I was walking with him to see the people flock to him and to see how he's their pastor. And I thought to myself, I can't believe that he is ministering to the very people that he before wanted to take revenge on. It's an unbelievable story. And when I was there in South Sudan, I learned several things. The first thing that amazed me was how friendly that everyone was. In spite of all of this conflict, most people were extremely glad that we were there. It was very welcoming. And I realized that we were so much more alike than we were different. It was amazing. Uh, And then the second thing I realized is that um, I don't think I understood the amount of danger I was in or our team was in when I went there. Um, In fact, when we landed, that's only then did they tell us that that compound that we had stayed in, like three weeks before, there were thousands of rebels with machine guns and clubs, which, by the way, they just travel around the country doing whatever they want, killing whoever they want. And so uh, they they were supposed to be hundreds of miles away. And when when we sat down, I remember being that first night under the pavilion outside, And Jay, one of our leaders and global partners says, he goes, are you trying to tell me three weeks ago there were rebels at the front gates? And and Reuben, who's so used to danger, says he's, yeah, he goes, but they're gone now. And, and, and Jay says, if we, he goes, as we were on the phone talking and planning this trip, he goes, there were rebels, like he goes, and you didn't tell us, he goes, if you would have told us, he goes, we wouldn't have come. And, uh, and Reuben says, yeah, but they're gone. And Jay says, is there any way for you to know for sure that they're not somewhere out in the bush, it's still in the area? And Reuben thinks for a little bit and he goes, no, there's no way to know that. We're like, oh, great. I'm going to sleep well tonight. You know, it was awful. And then, um, and then get this. So on our fourth night there, uh, about 1130 at night, we were wrapping up some things, heading to our, you know, our dorms, like, like little huts. And uh, there was our camp, which is right next to the river. And then like maybe 50 yards across the river, there was a cattle camp and there was seven gunshots. And they were just right there. And, and I mean, had the gun been pointed our way, of course, the gun, the bullets could have went our way. Thank goodness they didn't. But the, these gunshots happened and there was no explanation. And then the next morning, um, the security guards told us there was a cattle raid. The tribe had come in, raided and stole all the cattle and killed three people. And it was just right over there. And when I got back, I told all of this to our founding pastor, Steve Andrews. And I was telling him like it was, you know, like a brand new piece of news. And he said, yeah, he goes, I knew when I sent you guys over there, it was the most dangerous thing that we've ever done. He goes, I'm just glad you're back alive. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you, you knew that? I'm like, thanks a lot. That, what does that say about the expendability of me? But, but, uh, but it was pretty incredible. And, and I got to say that being over there is, di- is different than um, seeing a picture you don't have to turn there, but like on page 25, like, like seeing a picture of like, hey, look, we do great things in South Sudan. And there's a picture of this South Sudanese uh, woman carrying water on top of her head. Uh, I tell you what, man, being there, it's so different to see a picture 
and, and think, wow, we do some good over there. But it is, it is radically different when you get to meet the people face to face and you get to know their names and meet their wives and their husbands and their children. And then on top of that, you get to understand the massive difference that our church makes over there. There's a lot of different people doing a lot of great things, but I got to tell you, please don't underestimate the importance of what we're doing because that's why they were so grateful for us to be there. Because it was, I'm telling you, it was nothing less than life-changing. If you allow me, just for the next uh, 30 seconds or so or minute, I'd like to just spend uh, just a second talking about this idea of making a financial year-end gift. Um, I got a confession to make to you too, but let me just say this. First of all, about the financial gift toward the end of the year, well, let me start with the confession. The confession is, is that we've been making it, making this ask for a couple of weeks saying, hey, if you're going to give somewhere, you know, consider giving here. The confession is, is I feel guilty because my wife and I have not yet prayed through or even thought about our own financial year and gift. And I feel guilty saying that again to you without telling you that uh, I've not even yet had this conversation with my wife. So to, to you know, to decide what are we going to give and to give a gift that, you know, maybe stretches us a little bit. Uh, but we definitely plan on doing that. But just to give you a little perspective, did you know this? This is so worth celebrating. This book truly does represent everything that we're about because did you know that you and I, through our funds and giving and everything else, have started abroad over 1,000 churches? Isn't that amazing? 1,000 churches? And um, now somebody, somebody told me that from Global Partners. Hey, Karen, do you know, is that, is that this year alone or is that total? Do you know? You don't know? Okay. Let's just call it this year alone. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but here's what I do know. Hundreds of churches start like even weekly in Cuba. I know that. So, so that may be this, this year alone. And let me tell you why. Because some churches are small, like house churches, like they are in Cuba. Some churches are churches that meet under trees, which uh, I'll show you a picture of that in a minute. Uh, some churches are like actual structures, like the one that we built with Nicodemus. And I got to tell you, I mean, the idea that those churches are going to be there and not just, I mean, just reach thousands of people, that's just a small part of what you and I get to be a part of. Did you also know that our campus, Clinton Township, Kensington Clinton Township, launched in St. Clair Shores, Antioch Shoreline Church, uh, just a few weeks ago, and that is our 53rd church launch in the United States. Isn't that awesome? Just right here in the United States. And... um, I mean, you think about that. Think of the thousands of people that, that uh, you know, assuming that church, you know, uh, makes it, that the thousands of people that are going to go through those doors in St. Clair Shores and the surrounding areas, they're going to, you know, they're going to hear about Jesus's love. Uh, did you know that locally we have eight campuses? And did you know that over 20,000 individuals uh, attend regularly Kensington every month? And that, uh, not only that, but the, they, they also give financially. All, all eight of campuses gave financially to build our campus a building, uh, in, in, in which case, like most of those people will never set foot in our building. And yet they have given over, and, and, you, and you as well, have given, and we're building a building over $14 million. And guess what? Yeah, it's so cool. You can celebrate that too. Um, but, it's, but it's incredible because that building that I just stopped by and prayed over today, that building is being built for only one single reason. And it's the same reason why we plant churches. It is to reach more people and to let people know that God loves them radically, to reach people that are far from God and for people to know that Jesus Christ died for their sins and loves them and accepts them. And I got to tell you something. If you want to give to another organization, that's fine at Christmas time. But I got to tell you, if you find a better offer, then, then, then do that, right? But I don't think there is a better offer out there because when I flip through here and I think about what we're a part of, which is besides the things that we experience on a weekly basis together as a family, I think to myself, there is no better offer that's worth my life. And so I just want to, like, I don't know, just strongly encourage you. Like, I, please just give something toward our year end because it really is going to put us in a strong financial position, hopefully, uh, to, the, to the first of the year. And with everything we have going on with this build and this launch and this move, uh, it, it, it is a big deal. So I just want you to join me and consider doing that because I tell you, I, I'm just blown away by the privilege that you and I get to be a part of. 
Um, let, me, let me jump into more stories about South Sudan. In fact, I have some pictures I'd love to show you. Uh, let me tell you first that uh, we took four, I took four planes along with our team to get there. I took a plane from Detroit to Amsterdam, like 12 hours, from Amsterdam to Nairobi, Kenya, another 14 hours, and then jumped right on this little puddle jumper of a plane into, this, uh, into the bordering town on the Kenyan border called Loki. And then like this really small, uh, couldn't possibly get smaller, but yes, yeah, so oh look, it is. And then we fighting these headwinds in 30 minutes into a small town called Capueta. So let me run through these pictures. I'll promise to go through these pretty quick. Here's the first one. This is the small plane in Loki, which is beautiful, uh, heading into the other smaller plane. And then once I get into the smaller plane, that's my face <laughs> realizing uh, how much in danger we were. Uh, this is a picture of the women by the landing strip in Capueta. That's literally where the planes landed. We had to circle around till they moved the goats off the field. Uh, and then this next picture is our team, our video team, Ruben Call, some of our global guys. Uh, this next picture right here is, uh, I just wanted to show you that this is actually the city of Capueta. Uh, and as we were driving through it, and then also this next uh, photo shows you that uh, we are following the car in front of us. And, there, and sometimes there's no roads. So like, oh, we're going to the hospital or the village or the school. And you're like, where are the roads? And you're just going through bushes and just making it up as you go until you get there. And then this next photo shows that there are people. They just pop out of the bush and you're like, where do these people come from? You know, but they're there, they're out there. And then um, this next photo here uh, shows the, the kids lined up outside of the school, one of the very few schools that are actually in existence. And these kids love it. This next classroom shows you how primitive it is and just, I mean, it's just so... Uh, impoverished. And these girls, they, they, they love being in their classroom. They sit on the floor. There's hardly any furniture, but they're privileged to be there. This next photo shows uh, a hut of a village that was not too far further down. We actually entered in. It was an unbelievable village. And then uh, Nicodemus with the group of people is their pastor, sits down on the floor, talks with them. And then uh, this next one here is me and the kids of the village uh, as we gathered for church. And, and they love getting their photo taken. And I love being a part of that. And then and then we celebrated church. And by the way, that church went on forever. Uh, you think that 70 minutes is a long time on Sunday morning. <laughs> Try like several hours into it as they're singing words uh, that you don't know about. And then finally, uh, look at this guy here. Uh, this guy was a guy in the village who actually took a bullet to the forehead and survived. And you talk about like uh, conflict, like as you, as you see this man walking around. And there are other things I could have taken pictures of, but I showed you this one because I'm like, this is un. Believable. The reality in which they live in is, is, is non, it's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. And so let me just say this. When you hear about someone talking about the radical peace of God in an environment like this, I got to tell you something. It carries so much more weight than if you talk about, your, you know, your neighbor says, oh, I've had peace. And you're like, well, that's great. But when you hear somebody in South Sudan say, I experience peace, to me, it just, it just carried so much more weight. And it reminded me of this promise right here. Look at John chapter 16, verse number 33. Jesus is talking and he says, after he's done teaching, he said, I have told you this so that for the purpose of, so that you may have peace in me. In me is, is, is the operative words. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How many of you know that's true? But take heart, Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. I thought to myself, do you realize that when Jesus spoke those words, it wasn't until I was in South Sudan that I realized that when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking them to a Jewish nation who were under occupancy by the Romans. They were in a land that was occupied under the Roman authority who had overthrown that area. And they were under the thumb of, of constant war and conflict. And do you realize that when Jesus spoke these words, that the people of South Sudan most likely received these words and promises much like they did in the first century? Certainly way different than we do. Because when Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And I've given you peace in me. Those promises mean everything to the people in South Sudan. Um, there's a very famous passage at Christmas time that we taught, that we read from. It's Isaiah. And Isaiah, about six or 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, Isaiah was telling a prophecy. He was talking about the, the Jesus, the baby that would come, or the Messiah, the Christ who would come. And, and, and God had promised to send uh, a, a savior to the world to be born and, and, and to offer his life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of all humanity. That's why Jesus came, by the way, if that's new news for you. He was born at Christmas 
Christmas Day, lived a sinless life. He died on a cross for only one reason, to pay for your sins and mine so that we might have a home in heaven, that our sins might be forgiven, and that we could spend eternity with a sinless God and having our sins paid for so that we don't have to pay the penalty. And so when Isaiah was foretelling or prophesying about Jesus, he gave him several titles that carry with it so many implications. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. He says, For to us a child is born, To us, a son is given. And then it says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Let me stop right there. Uh, Again, this verse hit me in South Sudan because I thought uh, the government will be on his shoulders refers to a symbol on the shoulder that government officials would wear like a key or a scepter or or, or a sword, something symbolizing that they are rulers over the government. And what, what Isaiah is saying is when Jesus the Messiah comes, he will be the ruler over a government. The government will be on his shoulders. In other words, it's a promise that regardless of the government that you are under, that, that you could have no fear because no power that you can be under is stronger than the power of Jesus Christ. And even us in America, we love to hear that, don't we, right? Because, I mean, there's no government in South Sudan, but we want to hear it just as much. And then it's a promise that we often overlook. And then he says this, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. And there's so many so many implications that come with that. Mighty God, unbelievable, unbelievable title everlasting father, right? The loving side of, uh, of Jesus who is everlasting to us. And then he is called the prince of peace. And you know what? Here's the thing. Just like Reuben Mary Call said in the video, Jesus is the only answer for South Sudan. And I know it is. And everything we do there furthers the mission because when Jesus transforms hearts one at a time, it's the only reason why anybody would not take revenge. It's the only reason why anybody could forgive. It's the only reason why anybody would see their neighboring tribes as as brothers and sisters and come together and strive for peace. Jesus transforms the heart and changes us within. And then people have no choice but to see the results as Jesus in us makes the change. And so if you're wondering what statement, teaching statement exists for the day, here it is. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. That's it. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. He is the prince of peace. He's the author of peace. He says that the peace we find is in him. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus and he is the only answer. And let me tell you one other thing I realized as well when I was over there. I realized that the reality of, of, of life is so radically different. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, just, just living that way. In fact, let me give you a real quick story. Um, uh, we, we viewed a hospital. This hospital, when, when, when Sudan became a country and got a government, uh, Norway, the country of Norway, decided to send $3 million and build them a hospital. And, and currently, it's, it's since then, once the government was toppled and everything, and there was unrule in the country, uh, it's, it's been abandoned. But this $3 million hospital is unbelievable. This mosaic art on, on the gates and the stone with these huge gates and, and the wide, uh, rounded drive around this big fountain, and then this building that's, that's that's four times as big as this auditorium with rooms and, and, and they flew them in and they connect them. They're all on pallets. And, and, and this place, uh, you walk into it and it's been abandoned for almost a decade and it looks like Jurassic Park with things growing up through it. And, and it's just, and the country's so dysfunctional that, that, uh, that there's no hospital. And so you walk in every room and guess what? They're like hundreds of thousands of dollars of like baby incubators and, and, and equipment in every room and they don't even know what they have. And it's just sitting there untouched, just a waste. And it's unbelievable. Now, just on a, on a lighter note of the story, here's, here, here's the reality check that is so different. The reality is so different. As we're walking in, I noticed that the floor wasn't done correctly, like a contractor should have built this building, apparently, because everything was on pallets. But the moisture, they didn't put anything down for the moisture. And this, and this pergo floor, uh, you, you could step through it and just step right through it. And so there's all these holes in the floor. They said, watch where you're stepping. Your, your boots can go right through the floor. And then I noticed there's a lot of holes in the floor that were this big that were like burst open this way. And I said, what is that? And they said, oh, that's from um, all the pythons. And I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I'm sorry, tell me, say that again. 
That's from all the pythons. Yeah, because, because this whole entire building is on uh, pallets, which are like little tunnels, and it's all moist and damp down there, and so it's a perfect place. And he goes, yeah, beneath us, there's like dozens and dozens of pythons. He goes, so we have to be careful around every corner. So literally, around every, we'd be walking around a corner, we're taking a right, and here's what they do. They just walk around, they're like, okay, okay, no pythons. And then we'd open, up, we'd open up the door, and they're like, oh, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yeah, no pythons. I'm like, I'm going to have a cardiac arrest. This is the most unbelievable reality. And yet the funny thing is, is they're just talking about, they're like, oh yeah, they're like, yeah, we kill dozens of pythons all the time. And they would just walk through this really grass. I'm like, somebody get a mower. I'm like, come on, what are you doing? There's like, they're like, yeah, walk through the grass. I'm like, I'm not walking through that grass. I'm like, it's unbelievable. Like the reality in which they live is unbelievable. And it's so different. But here's what I realized. Here's what I realized. It's almost as if God, God just, Hit me in the face with a brick spiritually, if you can say it that way, right? It would just hit me all of a sudden that the closer I got and the deeper I dug and the more conversations I had, even though all the conflict was so different than my, than my world, here's what I realized. The condition of the human heart is the same. I mean, like them raiding like cattle raids, you know what that is? That is nothing more than a desire to you know, use any means necessary to get ahead in life and to protect your family. Uh, the desire to, you know, kill as many men as you want and, 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 and to put marks on your face so that you could be the hero of the village. All of that through, through Nicodemus and a friend that we met uh, called Richard, all of that was driven by the need to be accepted and the need for somebody to give their approval. All of it, every single bit of it. And I thought about, you know, people who, uh, you know, corrupt, go- corrupt governments, fighting against injustices, all of us can relate to this. And even though our realities were so radically different, it just hit me that the human heart and the condition of the human heart is the same. I mean, how's that any different than what we go through on a weekly basis? I mean, it plays out differently. I mean, radically, you know, radically different for us. But the reality is, is that our, the, our, the condition of our heart is the same. And we struggle with the same things. And it's just, once I realized that, I'm like, man, these people are just like us. And if I were born there, who knows, maybe I would be a part of, you know, the same exact things. And so here's what I realized. It's almost as if God just gave this to me as I was there. It's like, guess what? The answer in Sudan is Jesus. The answer here is Jesus. I don't know if you're struggling with finding peace this Christmas season. I don't know what you're wrestling with. And even though it may be different than the video and the testimony that you just seen, the reality is, is that all of us struggle and wrestle with our own world. And and it's just as legitimate, right? I mean, like there are things that happen with relationships, uh, with circumstances, with our jobs, you know, with conflict. And, and, And certainly there are scary things, you know, and health things. And we struggle to find peace. And regardless of what gives you the most anxiety or what you worry about the most, let me just tell you something. The answer is Jesus, right? I mean, peace is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's, by the way, it's not learning about Jesus. That's not what I said. It's not about reading about a verse that tells you about the peace that God can give. It is actually having an encounter with peace himself, with Jesus Christ, And if you know the answer and you still struggle to find peace, yeah, thanks for the head knowledge. Thank you for the answer. You know, I'd expect a pastor to say something like that, um, but I'm still struggling. If, if, If that's the case, then maybe perhaps God is challenging us to do something else. Like Brandon's song that he wrote, it's time to make a difference. The time is now. And so if you're struggling to find peace, maybe, just maybe, God is asking us to let go of some things. Just let go what we're trying to control. Let go with what we're worried about. Let go with, you know, whatever it is that we're hanging on to or have the most anxiety about, as we talked about just a few weeks ago, and let the peace of Christ transform our hearts. And God will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. In fact, Jesus talked about the peace that he brings. Look at these last uh, two verses in John chapter 14. He says this, Jesus says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. And then he says, I do not give you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And by the way, you know what I love? Is that, did you know that John chapter 14 was toward the end of Jesus' ministry uh, career? And he was actually preparing to go back to heaven to his heavenly father. And actually, in John chapter 14, uh, verse number 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, it's a very famous passage of scripture toward the beginning of the chapter where he talks about heaven. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And my father's house has many rooms or many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. And he, and he goes on. And every time he talks about heaven, it's so interesting because he was speaking to people who were left behind. He was offering them words of comfort, words of peace. And every time he talked about heaven to such a degree, it was so real to him, obviously, that he actually used the phrases, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. And toward the end of the chapter in this verse, he does the same thing. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And I do not offer peace as the world offers. In other words, you can look forward to other places and you may find it. And that's great. It's, it's not saying you can't find peace elsewhere. There's a lot of great places to find peace. But what it is saying exclusively is the peace that Jesus offers is different than anywhere else you look for it. Because the peace of God carries with it the promises of God to the very depths of how he created us, to, to, to us created in the image of God, connecting with the fact that one day Jesus Christ will end all wrong and that we will be with him. And as he speaks about heaven, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And when we're able to just take that last step and just say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it to you. Please just give me your peace. The power of the Holy Spirit in us gives us a peace that defies comprehension. Look what Jesus says. Actually, it's, uh, this is found in Philippians, which means the Apostle Paul says this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And you know what that basically means? That means that somehow you and I have the ability and the accessibility to experience peace when it doesn't make sense. You and I have the supernatural ability that God can give us a calming and a peace in our hearts when it's completely unexpected. Just like there and just like here and people around us say, how, how is that possible? How is that even possible? And the answer is we don't know because it transcends all of my understanding and yours. But I do know the invitation is for every single one of us. And so I just want to uh, encourage you, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, if you're looking for peace, look no further than Jesus Christ himself. Believing in him, trusting in him, giving things to him, surrendering to him. And I promise you, the results will be nothing less than life-changing. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day and we ask your blessing on our time together. Lord, thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for these examples of our brothers and sisters across the seas, Lord, who demonstrate the ability to cling to your peace that you give to them. So, Father, thank you for that encouragement. But, Father, also, I just thank you for everybody in this room or listening online, those of us that you've placed around us in our world. Father, that, that as we look and strive for peace and we long for peace, Father, Help us to look no further than in you. Father, Lord, help us to look for you this Christmas season and to realize the gift that you bring at Christmas time. That when you came to this earth, that you were given the title the Prince of all peace. So, Father, thank you. And I pray that we would learn to look to you always, myself included, when I fail, when I forget, and when I neglect. We ask and pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to take just a moment and we're going to receive our offering at this time. And um, if, you're, if you're visiting here for the first time, don't sweat this moment. It's not for you. If you're a part of Kensington, we just want to say thank you because it's always difficult to give financially. Uh, but listen, I just want to make sure you hear this. Um, we thank you for trusting us and our leadership. We thank you for trusting uh, what God has called us to. And then also, most importantly, trusting in God's word and what he says about giving back to what he's blessed us with. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. And as the offering is passing, I want you to listen to the words of this next song, and you're going to see more images from South Sudan. But as you listen to this song, it's called Lord Remind Me. Just know this, this song really is a picture of our entire series to remind us what actually came at Christmas time 
and what it means for us. children play on Christmas Day and snow is flung When I feel I haven't had a friend since I was young When I'm feeling sorry for myself and everyone Lord, remind me Lord, remind me The shepherds heard the angels break the silence in the field That the wise men found the baby and they could not help but kneel That the one who heard our weeping became a child in manger sleeping Lord, remind me, cause it's Christmas and I want to remember Stood up proud 
feet that the thief who hung beside you is with you now and waits for me the cry of faith so simple the sweetest song in heaven's hymn You know, as I'm watching all that B-roll and all those images from South Sudan, the only thing that I'm wishing, the only thing that I'm wishing is that you get to experience it. I'm like, man, I wish everybody here could have been there. Like, there's so many things that I look and I'm like, oh, I know him, I know her, you know? Uh, That church that you saw that we were worshiping in for like 17,000 hours, um, um, did you know that the people of Kensington built that church? Isn't that awesome? And uh, yeah, so we're worshiping in that church and I'm thinking like, wow, like I said to Reuben, I said, this is an amazing church. You know, that's his church. And, and, you know, he says five or 600 people come from all around. They literally walk 15 miles one way to get to it. And, uh, and, and he says, well, you know, he says, Kensington uh, built this church. I said, I didn't even know that, you know, what kind of leader am I? I don't even know that. And, uh, and it was just amazing. And I just got to say something real quick before we go. And I would just say, we are so incredibly blessed, aren't we? And our reality is different. It's true. We struggle, true. But I got to just tell you, I like, I, I just, I'm just reminded of how absolutely blessed we are. The fact that we even get to be a part of this building thing coming up in May. Uh, you know, we're going to be moving in there and, and, and everything that God's going to be doing and the reality in which we live in. It, it is an unbelievable privilege it's a privilege to be a part of everything that's going on in our midst. And I don't know why God continues to bless the way that he does. I don't know why. But I, but I tell you, we're going to continue to pray that God would be a part of absolutely everything we do. And, I, and I'm so grateful that his hand is on us and everything that we do. So I just want to remind you, on your way out, you're going to get these Christmas invitations. And they're going to be handed to you. I hope that you don't discard these uh, or treat them as... Uh, as just another sheet of paper, uh, these represent hopefully a conversation. So we're, if you can grab one of these, you can walk up to somebody and say, hey, would you please consider coming? And, and upwards of 90% of everybody who gets invited comes to a holiday service, especially when there's nine options. So just pick one and bring somebody with you and uh, come next week as we hear from Cliff Johnson, from uh, our Birmingham pastor who went to India as we talk about love with our orphans and our orphanages over in India. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you and thanks for being here.